Okay, we are holding in Shmuel, Shmuel Aleph, Perak Yud, chapter 10. Um, and really, it is in the beginning, just when Shaul HaMelech, the first king of Klal Yisrael, is going to become king. In fact, the process really began, um, we discussed it last week, because last week, two weeks ago, that is, in Perak Test, chapter 9, we have the whole story, how there was a man named Kish, who came from the tribe of the Shevet of Binyamin, and he had a son, Shaul, and Shaul was also physically, he says, majestically tall. We talked about what that means spiritually as well. And this Kish lost his donkeys, and Shaul was sent out with a servant to go find the donkeys, and they traveled a couple of days, they could not find it. And finally, they wound up in the city where Shmuel, who was the Navi of Klal Yisrael at the time, of course, we're learning the book of Shmuel, and they said, let's go to Shmuel because a Navi, a prophet, was one who you would ask questions to. And even very um, basic physical questions, that was the common practice to ask a Navi. So they went to Shmuel to ask, where are the donkeys? And ultimately, um, this comes, really, it comes after the previous chapter where the Jewish people had demanded a king. Shmuel was upset with them for wanting a king, but Hashem said there would be a king. And Hashem told Shmuel that tomorrow your, the upcoming king will come before you. So uh, Shaul comes to Shmuel, and Shaul asks if he, he says, "I'm here to see the don- look for the donkeys." Even before he asks, Shmuel says, "Don't think about the donkeys. Don't worry about them. Your father found them." And anyways, he says, "Why are you thinking about donkeys when all the glory of the Jewish people will be in your hands?" And, and Shaul totally dis- doesn't understand. He says, "I'm the smallest of. I come from the youngest of the tribe, is the tribe of Binyamin, and I'm the youngest within that tribe. My family is the youngest of the tribe." Shaul was exceedingly humble, as we saw a number of times, and we'll see it tonight as well. Ultimately, Shmuel brings then a carbon, and he invites Shaul to join him and the head of the participants. And then he says, come to me, and he, Shaul stays with Shmuel the night. And it says that they spent a lot of time together, al-gag, on the roof of the home, discussing and as Rashi points out, that Shmuel was really telling Shaul all the intricacies of being a melech, of being a king, and of Yerush Shemaim, and so on and so forth. And then Shaul is going to go home, and Shmuel accompanies him to the end of the city. And as they get to the end of the city, Shmuel sends the servant, he says, let the servant go ahead and let us be here alone. And that is how chapter 9 finished, Perikas, and that leads us to the beginning of Perik Yud. So, Perik, so now we have... Shmuel, the Navi, is standing with Shaul, the young man who's destined to be the first king of Klal Yisrael, and they're standing together at the outskirts of the town. And Shmuel takes a pach shemen, he takes a, uh, a jug of oil, vayitzok al roishoy, and he, um, he smears it on his head, on the head of Shaul. And this is the concept of meshicha, anointment, um, an interesting halacha in Torah, is that things of holiness are anointed. In fact, um, we're always waiting for Mashiach. The word Mashiach means the anointed one, right? That's what really the word means. Mashiach means the anointed one. And just like we have in the Pasuk, the Kohen Gadol was anointed with Shemen, with oil, Shemen Hamishcha, the oil of anointment. Um, anything that was created in the Beis Hamikdash was anointed with Shemen. So to the kings of Klal Yisrael were anointed with Shemen, anointed with oil. And this is the first time we read that being done in Tanakh. That Shmuel takes Pach Hashemen, Vayitzok al Rosho, he anoints the head of Shaul with the oil, Vayishokehu, and he kisses him. Shmuel the Navi kisses Shaul Hamelech, 
Vayomer, he says, Hashem Hashem has now anointed you over his nation as a ruler. Did you just take oil and put it on the That's what it was. It was a, yeah, this is a, it's a chok. It's a chok. I mean, there's a lot of Kabbalah behind it. The oil representing chachma. Oil is, comes from the olive. The olive is bitter. The oil has to be taken out of it, but that's the chachma. And um, it's called, in the Pasuk says, Shemen Mishchas Kodesh. That's how the Pasuk calls it. In Chumash Shemos, it's the oil that is the anointment of holiness. And any position, again, the Kohen Gadol, the king, had to be anointed with the Shem and Hamishcha. Now, interestingly, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but halachically, and really, this is not a tangent at all. It's a very important point to make. And that is, when we talk about kings, we know that kingdom in general, in the Jewish people, was given to which tribe? Yehuda, right? And that goes all the way back to Yaakov Avinu. That Yaakov Avinu, when he's on his deathbed and he gives the Birchus Yaakov, the blessings for all of his, um, for the descendants, for the Shvatim, the tribes, he gives each Shevet certain blessings. And Yehuda is given Malchus. In fact, um, Yaakov says, Lo Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda, the staff of royalty will never leave the tribe of Yehuda until the coming of Mashiach. And in fact, that's a, a basic foundation. Mashiach has to come from the Shevet Yehuda. Um, and the fascinating thing is that the very first king of Kalah Yisrael is from the wrong tribe. And that's Shoal. Because Shoal is from the tribe of Binyamin. Now, Binyamin is a very holy tribe, tremendous tzaddik, and so on and so forth, but he's not Yehuda. He's not Yehuda. Now, you know, later in history, that's something we've discussed in the past, that Nachmanides, Ramban, writes that we have the Chashmonoim, right? The story of Hanukkah led by the group of tzaddikim called the Chashmonoim. Tragically, all of the Chashmonoim's descendants were killed later by the Greeks. There is no descendants from the Chashmonoim at all. So Ramban, Nachmanides, says, Why? He says, because as great as they were, they made a terrible mistake, which is they took melucha for themselves. They took kingdom for themselves. And kingdom was, pro- was promised to the Shevet Yehuda. And the Ramban writes that in his commentary to Parshas Vayichi, when Yaakov blesses Yehuda with kingdom. So, true Malchus... Levi, they were Kohanim. They were uh, Matisio and his children. They were children of Yochanan Kohen Gadol. So they were a tribe of Levi. Which is a great tribe to be in. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a proud carrier too. But still, it's not, it's not to be, uh, it's not to, for Malchus. So here we have, and it's really, it's just fascinating that the very first king of Klal Yisrael is not from Shevet Yehuda. In fact, the halacha is that only kings of Shevet Yehuda were anointed with the Shemen Hamishcha, with the oil that was used for anointment in the Mishkan and Beis Hamikdash. And yet here it says. That Shmuel anoints Shaul with Shemen. So the Gemara says it wasn't Shemen Hamishcha. This was the Gemara says Shemen Afarsimon, which I'm assuming is a is oil t- uh, taken from a persimmon. A per, is that how you say the fruit? A, pers- a persimmon, persimmon. Um, but not Shemen Hamishcha because he wasn't from Shevet Yehuda. So there was a concept of anointment with Shemen with oil, but not the type of oil, not the Shemen Zayis, the olive oil that would be used in the Beis Hamikdash and for a king of Yehuda. Now, what remains unanswered is why, though, did Hashem see it, make that, that the very first king should not be from Shevet Yehuda? So on, on a pshat level, on a, on a very, very, every, everything has the basic pshat answer, on a pshat level, it's because the king that was destined to be from Shevet Yehuda wasn't ready yet. You know, the, the next king is going to be David HaMelech, and that's going to be the first king from Shevet Yehuda, and David Melech Yisrael, Chai Vekayim, etc. But 
it was he wasn't around yet. It wasn't he wasn't up to the job yet. So on a shot level, just you know, when you don't have when you don't have something, you use uh, the next best. But that's of course only on a shot level. On an esoteric level, and I, again, I, I'll just be very very brief here. On an esoteric level, the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe of Lubavitch, writes something very beautiful in a mimer, and he says, everything is in a name. The name of the first king is Shaul. What does Shaul mean in Hebrew? Fox. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. A fox is a shu'al written with an ayin, but shaul with an aleph is is to ask or to borrow. Sha'ila is to borrow, and Hasidus says that a person, a neshama, who wasn't really from Malchus, was borrowed for this task. And why was he borrowed? Says Hasidus, because he comes from a higher level than Malchus. Um, we know Malchus royalty, um, and again, this is not a, a Hasidus or Kabbalah class, so it'll be brief, but Malchus is the lowest of the spheros, the lowest of the ten spheros that we always talk about, the attributes. There's higher levels of Chachma, Bina. Um, Shaul, it's written, came from a higher level than Malchus. And in order to begin something, you need a greater strength in order to start something off. It says, Kol Haschalos Kashos. The beginnings are always difficult. You need a super power in order to begin something. Once it's already rolling, once it's already in motion, so to speak, then it can continue with the regular, the norm. But to start something, you need to borrow from a higher, more powerful level in order to get this started. So that's what the Tzemach says. He says, Shaul, as his very name indicates, as we know the power of a name and how much depth there, depth there is in a name. So his name indicates that this is not really where he belongs. He's borrowed from a different place because he's from a different shaven. According to Kabbalah, Shaul came from the level of Bina, which is above Malchus. It's the wisdom, the understanding from which Malchus ultimately comes forth. And Shaul's neshama was borrowed for this um, uh, great task of beginning the concept of Malucha, though ultimately it would be through the shavit Yehuda and through David HaMelech and the extension of David HaMelech. Okay, so all of that, just an interesting idea, but back to the actual Navi. So Shmuel Hanavi is standing with Shaul Hamelech, the new king, who's he just. But you have to understand, he's a new king, but he doesn't have yet any following. Nobody knows about this. This is just being done at at the crack of dawn, at the outskirts of a city, where the Navi um, Shmuel is anointing the new king of Klal Yisrael in private. I mean, it would have been great for someone to catch that first picture, and it would have been broadcasted on all, all the emails and all the WhatsApps. What? <laughs> and I have no doubt it'll be top news. I'm sure someone with a good imagination can create a beautiful painting of it. And I'm sure, perhaps there is already of Shmuel um, anointing the first Melech. Okay, but then he tells him the following. Then he starts giving him instruction. He says, um, "You are going to go for me today." And he gives him a couple of signs that are going to happen to him. Also, signs. Um, this is something that we find by Nevi'im that they would give signs just to show the accuracy of everything that they're saying. So he says, you're going to go for me. And the first thing is you're going to meet two people, two men, um, by, near the cave of Rachel, actually. And they're going to ask you, um, did you ever find those donkeys that you were looking for? And, you know, your father's looking for you. Head back home. That's the first, uh, that's the first junction that you're going to meet. And then he says, you'll move onward. You'll go a little further. And you'll come to a place called Elon Tavor. And there you'll find three men. And they're going to be going up El Ha'olokim to the Mishkan. And they're going to be bringing a karba. Um, one is going to be carrying three goats. 
and another one is going to be carrying three um, loaves of bread. One is going to be co- um, carrying a pitcher of wine. And they will ask you, they'll give you shalom, shalom aleichem, and they'll give you bread. Take it from them. That's the second junction that's going to happen to you today as you're leaving me, says Shmuel Tesho'um. Afterward, he says, you'll come to the next step. Give us Elohim, the mountain of Hashem, referring to where the Aron is. Let's remember the Aron for all this time is in Kiryas Ye'orim, right? It had been taken by the Plishtim, it had been returned, and it's in someone's home. So you'll find, you'll come to that area, and you'll see a group of Nevi'im, a group of prophets that are walking. Now, you'll remember that we said that in those, in those days, in the era of prophecy, you had... You had many, many prophets. You had gold groups of prophets that they would just they would spend their time in, in, in meditation and in davening and, and in prophecy. They were holy people. So Shmuel says, you'll see a group of prophets and in front of them will be Nevel, Vesof, Vichalil, Vichinor. These are all musical instruments. The prophets will have with them musical instruments. And that's an interesting concept, and a concept that repeats itself in Navi, that prophecy... And prophets were typically accompanied by music, by musical instruments. And what's the reason for that? Because, as the Gemara says, Ein hashchina shore ela simcha. That the shechina, the divine presence, rests on a person and on a prophet, and Ruach HaKodesh is only in a state of simcha. Music is one of the gifts of Hashem to us that helps us um, create a greater feeling of simcha. And it was common that prophets would have with them musical instruments or musical uh, or musicians in order to bring them into a state of simcha in order to be um, recipients of prophecy. So Shmuel says that's the third group you're going to meet. You're going to meet a group of prophets going and they're going to be accompanied by music. So, and at that point, says Shmuel, Ruach Hashem, the spirit of Hashem will come upon you and you will begin prophesizing together with them, and you will then be changed into a different person. Now, though Shaul was a great person from childhood, but he wasn't a Navi, he wasn't a prophet. And here Shmuel is telling him that on your way to becoming a Melech, you will also attain the level of prophecy. And this is what Shmuel is, again, they're, they're standing themselves together at the outskirts of the city, and Shmuel is telling him everything that's going to happen with you today. You're going to meet the first two people. They're going to talk to you about the donkeys. You're going to meet the next people. They're going to bring a korban. And you're going to meet finally the group of prophets. And you will become part of that group of prophets. And you will begin prophesizing together with them. Um, Now says Shmuel. And I'm sorry. Yes, says Shmuel to Shmuel. And when all this happens, you shall know it's time to prepare yourself for kingdom. And therefore you should go back to your home. And you should, whatever you can, prepare yourself, prepare any types of... uh, vessels or whatever or that you might need as a king because you will be the next king of Kali Yisrael. Um, and one, one last thing Shmuel says, he says, and after your king, there will come a time when you will have to go down to the Gilgo in war with the Jewish people or to lead a war. I want you to wait for me for seven days at that point, I will come back to you. You wait for seven days, I will come back to you, and then I will tell you what to do next. Um, now, we don't know at this point what, what's going to happen then, but this is a story that's going to play itself out. I don't know if we're going to get to it tonight or maybe next week. 
in a few chapters down the down the road, where Shaul really has to wait for Shmuel seven days, and ultimately he doesn't wait the full seven days, and there's repercussions. But that's a story later. But Shmuel already set this into motion at this point in time. So this, and then at this point, um, Shaul is going to leave Shmuel and not see him now for some period of time with all of these prophecies behind him. Um, just uh, very interesting. I saw a beautiful, lengthy explanation of the Malbim, one of the commentaries on Navi, who I don't recall if we men- I've mentioned in the past, is the Malbim. And he gives us a whole explanation to the idea, the deeper meaning of these three signs that Shmuel gave Shaul. Because it's, I mean, it's a fascinating story, but like, what's the meaning? He says you're going to travel and you'll meet two people and they'll ask you about the donkeys. Then you'll meet three people, they're bringing you a carbon, then you're going to meet the prophets. Like, what's the, there's got to be a deeper meaning behind all this. So, to make a very long album short, what he says is that, um, he says that really Shaul, I'm sorry, Shmuel was telling him that if you're going to be the king of the Jewish people, you're going to be a king of all different types of people. There's all different, to be a king is the ability to understand that not everyone is the same. And there's people that are all different extremes. And those three groups of people really represent, says the Malbim, totally different types of people. And and in very short, he says, the first group are the ones who are going to ask you about donkeys. He says, they're people who are just very, very materialistic. Um, all they care about really is their financial assets and their donkeys and their money. Don't talk about me like that, okay? <laughs> Don't do it. Not in my house. Okay. Sorry, sorry, you know every class has to have a troublemaker. <laughs> so, so he says the first group of people—they're the people who are um, just into their their gashmis, their materialism—and you're going to have to be a king over them. The next group are the people who have—they also have animals, but they're bringing them up for a korban. So that's already people who are also, they're involved in their, in their, in their animals and their money and their assets and so on and so forth, but they understand that it's there in order to bring them up and make them more spiritual and elevate them and, and refine them. And the third group are the Nevi'im. They're the Sadiqim. They're just totally into Kedusha, into Ruchnius, into Holiness. And he says, so the Malbim says that really these, if you think about these three different types of people, you really talk about everyone. People who are just totally materialistic, people who are totally spiritual and godly, and people who are, you know, somewhere in the middle, they're, they're involved in the material and, and doing their best to try to bring um, bring them into into kedusha as well, which ultimately is our job. But what Shoal, what Shmuel, I'm sorry, is telling Shoal is as you're getting ready to go and become the king of Kali Yisrael, it's important to meet all the different types of people. And and it's interesting, who, who are the people who come first? Who are the people who he meets first? They're the people who are most materialistic. He says that's the majority. Most people are regular people. He says, that's the first ones. And as a king, you have to recognize that every one of them. So I thought that was a very beautiful insight of the Malbim that, again, when you read the stories of Navi, they're fascinating just as stories, but of course, every piece has so much depth and insight to it. Okay, so Shmuel turns away. Shaul moves on, and he starts heading back. And the Pasuk says, as soon as he turns around, that Hashem, he got a new heart. There's the heart of Shaul changed. He's now the Melech of Kal Yisrael. Interesting that the Rambam says, HaMelech who leave Ha'om. The king is like the heart of the nation. And here we have the very first king of Kal Yisrael. The first thing it says is, he had a new heart. He's the heart of Kal Yisrael, just like the heart that uh, beats and gives uh, the blood and the, the life of Kal Yisrael. That becomes the new king. 
All of the miracles and all of these signs that Shmuel gave, all of them happened exactly. The Pasuk doesn't even go through it. He met the first group, he met the second group. And then he met the third group. And he talks about the group of Nevi'im and that when he met that group of Nevi'im, the Spirit of Hashem comes down on him, Shaul also begins prophesizing together with that group of Nevi'im. And here we have an interesting pasuk. It says that everyone who knew him from the days earlier and saw that he's prophesizing, they said to each other, what? Is, since when did he become a prophet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened with the son of Kish? Is Shaul also a Navi? And Rashi and the other Mepharshim explain that they were wondering, like, where did this come to from him? His father wasn't a Navi. His grandfather wasn't a Navi. He didn't grow up, you know, in a house of prophets. You know, it was a non-profit organization. I mean, it was, he just grew up by... So how did he suddenly become a Navi? And then the Pasuk says, Vayan ish misham vayomer. And a person answered and he said, Umiyah And who is the father of all these Nevi'im? In other words, yes, sometimes a person changes and grows and it doesn't, doesn't really matter who his parents were and who the Yichas is. And the Pasuk says, Al Kain this became a saying by people. Hagam Sha'ul Banevim. Is he also a Navi? And as the Mepharshim say, it's not just a mushal, but it's a lesson. It's a lesson in this uh, way of thinking that people think that, you know, if a person is a Sadiq, well, it only makes sense if their parents were. If a person is great in any way, it must be inherited from their father or mother or grandfather or grandmother. And here the Pasuk is telling us that that's not so. That the emesis, of course, having great and holy parents can be helpful, but ultimately every person has the ability to grow and to change and to say, well, their parents weren't is never an indication that the child did not grow to be something much greater and holier. How old was Shal when he got to be king? About? That's a good question, and I should know the answer because I saw it, but I don't remember now. I'll get back to you on that. The question was asked, how old was Shal at this time? And I'm not remembering. I'm sorry? Yeah, that, the question was, how old was Shal at this point in time? I'm not remembering. Well, well, Believe Yes? Wasn't he 52 when he died and he wasn't he a king for two years? No, no, no. Shmuel was 52 when he died. Shmuel Hanavi. Oh, not Shaul. I don't, not that I know of. Shmuel was 52. We discussed that last time. I don't recall that Shaul was. He could be. I don't remember that. Again, so, Bli oh, yeah. um if, if, we were, remember, if, if we were playing Stump the Rabbi, we succeeded. Yeah. I remember. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can't see you, but I can yeah, hear you. Sir. Russia. Correct. So, That's correct as well. Yeah, no, not not from, not from the happiest Tanakh stories. No, there's no question that parents could play a role in their children, and the greatness of the parents might possibly and could help the children. But the lesson though is that it's not 
um, dependent in that. And that, yes, you can have parents who are tzaddikim, like in the story that you're saying, and the children could be a rasha, and vice versa. A parent could not use their potential, and the child might be a great tzaddik, as this story indicates. I believe someone wants... We still have to do our shtablos and concentrate on the no question. I'm I'm all for chinuch. That's where I get my you know that's my where I get my paycheck from. <laughs> but yes, of course, no no doubt whatsoever. Um, I believe someone once told the Rebbe that that a real chassid has to be someone who was born a chassid. You know, not someone who becomes at some point in the way. And the Rebbe immediately responded. He said, all the greatest chassidim that we know, the, the chassidim of the Alter Rebbe, all became chassidim. There wasn't any chassidim to be born into. It's about it's not it's not about being born into something. It's about becoming something. And that's uh, definitely a lesson from this piece. Okay, let's let's move on. Um, so Shaul comes home <laughs> after this long trip, where he, by the way, becomes the king of the Jewish people. Although, again, I want to say that um, he, he nobody knows yet this. This whole story happened. I, I made the point before. This he's a king, but in secret. Nobody knows the story. All this happened. We know it because we're reading it in Navi. No one else knew it. Now, he, he's coming closer to home. He meets an uncle, Dod Shaul, his, the uncle of Shaul. And he says, where have you been? So he says, well, we went, you know, we went to look for the donkeys a couple days ago. And we got, you know, we got stuck a little bit. And we met the Navi Shmuel. And we asked him where the donkeys are. And he said that the donkeys are found. So, we're, so we came home. Who's the we? Shaul and his servant. Sorry. Remember, he was traveling with the servant. So... The, and the Pasik says makes a point to say, but Shaul didn't say anything about the whole king story. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell anyone. As far as he's concerned, as far as he, what he passed on to his parents, he's looking for the donkeys. He met the Navi. The Navi said, go home, um, and you'll have the donkeys. And that's that. So um, as the Pasik says, He did not tell um, his parents or his uncle or anyone about his whole meeting with Shmuel and the fact that he was anointed as the king. At this point, though, Shmuel calls Klal Yisrael together. Shmuel calls all the Jewish people together. And Shmuel says, and Shmuel gives a beautiful talk to the Jewish people. He says, This is what Hashem said. I have taken you up from Mitzrayim and I saved you from the Egyptians. He says, and you have ultimately betrayed me by saying I'm not enough and you want your own king. We discussed this already earlier, that Shmuel was not happy with the way that the nation had requested a king. However, Hashem said, you want a king, you will have a king. And now he says, we are going to make gorolos. Shmuel says, we're going to draw, uh, cast lots, draw lotteries and see who is going to be the king of Klal Yisrael. So, of course, although Shmuel already anointed the king, but now in front of the whole nation, he's going to do this um, in this by, by casting lots, by casting a lottery, so to speak, to show them that this is how Hashem is doing it, not just that Shmuel found someone um, and made him king. Um, so he cast lots and he puts the, the way the lottery was drawn. He had all 12 shvatim written on a paper, and all the shvatim came and he pulled out one paper and had the shavit of Binyamin. And it went in the shavit of Binyamin, he took all the families and came out the family of Matri, which was the general family. And finally, he came to the house of Kish and finally came to Shaul. And Shaul's name was drawn out as the king. So everyone says, Okay, where is he? And he wasn't around. <laughs> they couldn't find him. So, everybody was there, and yet when his name uh, came out, was drawn for the lottery, Shaul made himself scarce, and he wasn't to be found. So, so Shmuel, who was 
Nevoah asks Hashem, he says, is someone missing? Is someone not here? And the response was, no, 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 go look. Um, he's hiding where the vessels are. Uh, the vessels means when, when people would gather, there was like, I guess today we would call it a big coat room, or the place where you put down your things. I guess in the old place there was the carriages and there was the horses and whatever. So Shaul, again, in his great humility, being that he knew that his name was going to be drawn out to be the king of Klal Yisrael and he was not looking for it, so he hid. And he was, and in fact, even till today, that's an expression in Hebrew, nechba el hakelim. When someone is very modest, someone unassuming, you say, they're hiding out with the, with the coats or with the vessels. And that's where it comes from, right here in Tanakh. Um, so they sent to messengers and they found him there and they brought him to Shmuel. And he stood there amongst everyone and everyone saw how, just how, how he was even, as we said earlier, taller than everyone. He was taller than everyone. From his shoulders and above. Shmuel tells the entire nation, he says, Do you see Asher Bachar Bo Hashem? The one who Hashem. Harisem Asher Bachar Bo Hashem. Do you see the one who Hashem has chosen? There's no one like him. There's no one like him in the entire nation. The entire nation blew with trumpets, which was, I guess, common, and they all call out Yechia Melech, long live, that the, king, the new king of Klal Yisrael should live. Um, and Shmuel continues and he told them the laws of Malchus and he wrote this down in a book um, and he says he, he kept it and Shmuel sent the entire nation back home. And it's interesting because you would think, okay, now it's time to build a palace or something. That's not how it was. Shmuel says, okay, now we have a Melech, everyone go home. And that's what happened. Everyone went home, including Shaul. Shaul also went back to his home in, in, in the Giva. Um, it says, perhaps we can mute ourselves, or should I mute everyone? I don't know how to do that anymore. Uh, I don't remember. Okay, so he says um, that with, you know, Shaul goes home, with him goes a number of people people who are more spiritually motivated and wanted, wanted to be near the new king. But, as always, there was politics then too. Pasuk says that there were people who were wicked and said, how is this person going to help us? They shamed him, they embarrassed him, and he was quiet and did not respond as he was, there's, uh, as he was embarrassed and shamed by those few that did not accept him as their king as well. And that is the end of Perikud of chapter 10. So at this point, again, the king has been uh, anointed and then appointed through girl, through... Um, to the lottery in front of the Jewish people, and everyone has gone home, and it's sort of, it's quiet. But it's not going to be quiet for long at all. Comes Perik Yidal, chapter 11. We have time, I think, for another Perik. In chapter 11, we have the next time that Klal Yisrael is going to be set by an enemy. And there is a terrible enemy. His name was Nachash Ha'amoni. I guess his name tells his story. He's called the snake, a name Nachash. And he is from the Ammonim, and he's a terribly wicked person, as we're going to see very quickly. And a terribly mighty person. He's very, very is a big army, powerful army. And he comes with his armies and he encamps by a place called Yavesh Gilad, which is a city or a province in Eretz Yisrael. And the people in Yavesh Gilad are petrified from this menacing king, and they say, Let you know, let's let's make a covenant with him. We'll, we'll serve you, we'll do whatever you want, we'll pay you taxes, as long as you don't bother us. And he, and again we'll see his viciousness in one moment, he says, oh, you want to make a, uh, a covenant with me? Sure. 
but this is what my demands are. I need every person of the Jewish people who are going to be under me to, um, how do you say, to uh, to take out the right eye. What's the word for it? To, uh, to take out his right eye. I'm sorry? Amputate? I don't know. To blind, well, blind. You take out. I don't know if you say amputate on an eye, but yeah, to take to take out to blind the right eye, and this would be, uh, the, you know, my show of dominion and how that'll, that that it's a form of embarrassing the Jewish people, that I am your leader. So, but again, and he wasn't. He was obviously vicious, but he was also mighty, and they were very afraid of him. They said, "Give us seven days. Give us seven days, and we will see what we can do if we will accept your condition." And in those seven days, they sent messengers to Shaul. Um, again, who was, who was known that Shmuel appointed him as king, but he hasn't done anything yet. And they come to the city where Shaul lives, and they tell the story, and they're crying. He says, this terrible sorrow that we have over here, this mighty Russia, wicked king, and he's demanding that we blind ourselves in order to be his servants. And Shaul says, was actually, Shaul was actually working in the fields, and he came back with a with his oxen from the field. And he heard what's going on. He said, what's going on? He sees people crying. They tell him. And immediately the spirit of Hashem comes upon Shaul when he hears these words. And he gets very, very angry, obviously very upset. And he takes the ox that he's working with. And he, he, he slaughters, he shechs the ox. And cuts it up into pieces and sends it to all of the parts of Eretz Yisrael. So he takes messengers. He says, bring this to all parts of Eretz Yisrael. And tell them that these are the words that Shaul says. That everyone, any, and then he says, anyone who doesn't go after me, follow me and follow the Novi Shmuel, this is what will, be, what will be done to his oxen. And everyone should come to me, we're going to battle against this new menace, this uh, wicked king, Nachash Amoini. And the Jewish people received the message, and a great fear or, fell upon them, and they all get hundreds of thousands of Jewish soldiers, all the Jewish men really gathered to go behind Shaul. And they, they were counted in a place called Bozok, and there was 300,000 men who gathered for this battle with an additional 30,000 from Shevet Yehuda. And they all came to this place called Yavish Gilad, and they told the people of Yavish Gilad, the Yidden there, that tomorrow we will save you from your oppressor. And the people from Yavish Gilad sent a message to Nachash, to the king, it says, tomorrow we're going to come. And insinuating that they were coming to accept his cruel demands, but it was really to trick them that they shouldn't be worried or something. And the following morning, the following morning, Shaul took the entire nation, he divided it into three parts, and, um, and he totally vanquished this Nachash in a tremendous battle. They were totally, Matzliach um, had a tremendous Hatzlacha success, and were able, able to totally vanquish the army of this Nachash Amoni, as the Pasi says, Lo Nisharu Bam Yachad. There was no two soldiers of Nachash that remained together. They were totally dispersed and totally destroyed as an army. At this point... Can I ask you, why, sure. why did he have to cut up the... What was the purpose of cutting up the ox and sending it out? Like, why not just fight Nachash Amoni? What was that, what was that well, piece I, put in? It's a good question. I don't know the answer. I'm sure there's got to be deeper meaning. The question was, what was the idea of that cutting up the ox and sending it to all the nations, all the tribes of Klai Yisrael to gather them? Um, you have to remember, this was the first time that, the, that Klai Yisrael was gathering behind Shoal. And this was his first show of strength as a leader, as a king. 
And I guess he was doing it with a show of might. He's saying, this is, I'm not asking, I'm not, you know, I'm demanding that every Jew comes immediately. If not, you're punishable. He says, if you won't do it, that your, your oxen will be destroyed. So he, he comes with Givura. Till now he was, you know, hiding and he was humble and he didn't want to, you know, didn't want to make anyone upset. And now when he's called to it, he stands up with the might of Shaul HaMelech. So perhaps that's what's behind that. At this point, so Shaul was successful in battle. So now, remember, there was, all, there was those... There was those rebellious ones at the beginning, as is this seems to always be the situation. So at this point, Vayomer Ha'omel Shmuel, the nation turns to Shmuel and says, those people who who resisted accepting Shaul as king, they should be put to death because they were Murid B'malchus, they rebelled in our king. Vayomer Shaul and Shaul said, Lo yumas ish bayom hazer. No person is going to die on this day. This is a day of salvation. Hashem saved us from. From our enemies, it's not a time to start uh, reckoning and start punishing people who didn't accept me as king. And he pardoned all those people as well. But at this point now, already now Shaul has total um, uh, following of Klal Yisrael. And Shmuel, who's again, Shmuel is always the Navi here. Shmuel says, He says, now we're going to go again to the Gilgal, which is a, 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 a central city. V'nechadesh sham ha we want, we're going to renew the kingdom. Now, the first time around, okay, so we made him a king, but there were people who accepted, people who didn't accept, and then he went back home. Now we're going to be mechadesh, we're going to renew the melucha. And the entire nation comes together. At this point, the entire nation um, crowns Shaul as their king in the Gilgal. Um, they sacrifice Zvachim, sacrifices before Hashem, and Shoal and all Klal Yisrael celebrated there together in the Gilgal. As the Pasuk finishes, excuse me, Vayismach Shom Shoal, the Cholansha Yisrael Admaod, Shoal and all of the people of Klal Yisrael um, were, were very much Besimcha there in the Gilgal after this great salvation that Hashem gave Klal Yisrael under Shoal against the, fir- the first great act of salvation now that Klal Yisrael has under and through their new king. Um, I want to quickly go through try, try one more parik, Perik Yud Beis. Perik Yud Beis is actually a very beautiful parik. It's not a parik of a lot of happenings, but it's a very famous talk of Shmuel to Klal Yisrael. Shmuel is very in the last years of his life, and Shmuel has now a talk to Klal Yisrael. In fact, this next parik we say we read as a haftorah in the Torah portion of Korach. And why the Torah portion of Korach? Because Korach was a time also where there was a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And Korach's great-grandson is Shmuel, right? So Shmuel really is uniting the nation under Shoal, mm-hmm. right? So Shmuel, who is a descendant of Korach, is uniting the nation under Shoal to sort of atone, so to speak, for what his great-grandfather Korach did who went against Moshe Rabbeinu. And again, we read this next parak in the Haftarah of Parshas Korach, which is uh, maybe in about a month or two down, down, the, down the road. So um, Shmuel calls in the Jewish people and he gives them um, a, a whole talk. He says, um, I, I listened to you and you asked for a king. So the king that you asked for is going before you. He says, I am now old um, and I've gone, I've led you from my childhood till this day. You remember Shmuel, as we said, was came to the Mishkan at two years old. His entire last 50 years, Shmuel is the, the Navi of the Jewish people. He says, it's time, I want to ask you, he says, 
I'm, I'm standing in front of Hashem and in front, in front of His anointed one. Is there anyone in this nation that has any complaints against me? Did I take anything from anyone? Is there anyone who feels that I judged them incorrectly? Was I ever impartial? Did I ever take extra something, extra money from anyone? And this is Shmuel asking the entire Klal Yisrael. And, and again, Shmuel is, is in his last stages of his life and he's talking about 50 years of leadership. And the Jewish people answer, it says, no, you never uh, cheated us, you never did anything unfair to us, you never took anything from anyone. And Shmuel says, aid Hashem Bochem, Hashem is a witness, aid Meshicho, his anointed one, Shol is a witness, that you people didn't find anything negative to say about me in the end of my life. Vayomer aid. Now that means, and he said, aid, I'm a witness. Who's the he? Vayomer. And he said, aid, we're, I'm a witness. Okay. So Pshat, Rashi says Pshat is, all the Jewish people answered in one voice, as if they're one person, we're all a witness. But Rashi says, from the Agoda, from the Medrash, a baskel came out from heaven, and Hashem said, aid, I'm a witness. He says, people can only be a witness for things that are revealed and they see. I can tell you, says Hashem, I'm the witness that Shmuel was the faithful shepherd of Klal Yisrael for 50 years. At that point, Shmuel goes into a whole piece, a whole like, some, a beautiful Musr piece. And he talks about, he says, um, Hashem um, gave you Moshe and Aaron and he took you out of Mitzrayim. And now let me judge you before Hashem all the goodness and all the tzedakah that Hashem did for you and for your, for your parents, for your ancestors. He says, when Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim and the Jewish people cried out to Hashem, Hashem sent you Moshe, Hashem sent you Aaron, He took you out of Mitzrayim. And ultimately, after you came to Eretz Yisrael, you forgot Hashem's ways. And then Hashem gave you under the domain of certain um, evil um, kings like Sisra and the Plishtim and the king of Moab and they waged battle with you. And you cried out to Hashem. And Hashem sent you the different Nevi'im. Hashem sent you Yiftach, and Hashem sent you Gidon, and Hashem sent you Shimshon, until Hashem sent you Shmuel, myself. And time and time again, we saved you from all of your enemies and your oppressors. And then now you saw Nachash, the king of Ammon, and you were afraid of him, so you asked for a king. And now the king that you chose is before you. If you will fear Hashem and continue to serve Hashem, then you will live and your king will live. If you won't listen to Hashem, then again, the enemies will come after you. And he says, and to prove all this that I'm saying, he says, watch the great wonder that I'm going to perform before you today. He says, look, it's a beautiful summer day, not a cloud in the sky. He says, Hashem is going to suddenly make a tremendous storm as a witness to everything, the truth of everything that I'm saying. And of course, that's exactly what happens. Vayikra Shmuel al-Hashem, Shmuel calls out to Hashem, Hashem made it rain and Hashem made it thunder in the middle of a sunny day. And the nation had a tremendous fear, a tremendous uh, trepidation. And they said to Shmuel, please daven for us so we shouldn't all die. He says, we've sinned so much against Hashem. And the rain stops. Shmuel says, don't worry. He says, don't be afraid. True, you've been, you haven't always been the way you're supposed to be. Just from now on, go in the ways of Hashem. He says, Hashem will never forsake his nation for his great name because he chose you as his nation. And he says, and of course, I will never sin and not be there to help you as well. Um, heaven forbid that I should be sinful and to stop davening for you and helping you and teaching you the ways, the just ways. The Gemara says from these words of Shmuel we learn that if one has the ability to help another person or to daven for another person, it's considered sinful not to. 
That's what Shmuel said. It would be a sin for me not to continue to help you until my last day. I'll daven for you and teach you the ways of Hashem. Achiruas Hashem, see to it to continue to fear Hashem, serve Him with truth with your with your entire hearts, and see how much Hashem has given you. And as long as you're good with Hashem, Hashem will be good to you. Imharea tariu, if you will be if you will be bad, so you and your king will also um, will be punished as well. And that was the end of Shmuel's talk, and that's the end of chapter Yud Beis, Perik Yud Beis, and we will stop here and continue Mitzvah Hashem next week with Perik Yud Gimel chapter 13. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.